let's just go into what imposter syndrome is. So it's the inability to recognize internally your achievements, your successes, your skills, anything that's good about you. And you're more likely to put it down to external factors. Do you find yourself procrastinating endlessly? Do you find yourself looking at how other people are succeeding and feel like the imposter in the room? Well, 75% of people surveyed said they suffered from imposter syndrome at some point and in some situations. So today I'm talking to Paul Shepard, the mindset coach. He's a coach and therapist who works with clients to help their anxiety, stress, confidence and motivation. He's dedicated to holistic coaching. He looks at your physical, mental, social and emotional well-being. In this episode, we talk about the signs that you might be experiencing imposter syndrome, even though you haven't noticed, why it shows up and why you can be excited about it, and Paul's amazing ABC method for how you can add that to your toolkit and next time you feel imposter syndrome, you can show up and you can start to learn to love it and grow a strong mindset. You're going to love this episode and why not share it with somebody else, one of those other 75% of people who also suffer from imposter syndrome that's holding them back in life. I can't wait to hear your feedback on this episode, so don't forget to jump over to socials afterwards. Let's delve right in. So, Paul, thank you for joining me on the show today. I'm so excited to be talking about imposter syndrome. I am so happy to be here on your lovely show. I was listening to you this morning. You were my sort of, uh, you were my podcast on my way to the gym. Uh, So, I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm feeling very honoured, feeling very honoured. So, I I say excited. So, on the one hand, I'm excited because I feel like you're going to come and solve all my problems and all our listeners' problems with this topic of imposter syndrome. But there's one thing that imposter syndrome isn't, and that is exciting. So, um, before we delve into this topic, perhaps it'd be really good to talk about how you became a coach and on what's your background story. Sure. But just to say, I think imposter syndrome is exciting. I think it's beautiful. So, but I'll talk about that a little bit later as to why I love it. Um, so how did I get into a mindset uh, to become a mindset coach? I, funny enough, I had an anxiety disorder when I was in uh, my teens. And I went down the traditional therapy routes, uh, even trained as a counsellor, went into training as a counsellor and found it all a bit rubbish, to be honest. I mean, that was the, um, that was the, the judgment of it because it was great to talk about my past and it was great to talk about what I was thinking, but there was no tools or strategies to help me go into the situations which I was struggling with. So I had social anxiety as part of my anxiety disorder and I was kind of expected to be quite rational because I knew where it came from. So being bullied and trauma, et cetera, So yes, obviously understandable that going forward into a social situation, my subconscious mind would see that as dangerous. But just understanding it didn't really change anything. So I dipped in and out of variety of um, trainings. I trained in so many therapists, so honestly. (laughs) And I think imposter syndrome would have been a factor in that because I didn't make the jump to be a uh, a therapist and coach until I was in my 30s. Okay. So, and how long had you been on this journey since? 
So I started training. Oh, I did my first counseling course at the age of 17. So, and then, so obviously just under 15 years, it took me to actually make the leap. And I've been doing, and I'm now in my 50s. So I've been doing it for uh, 20 years. But the I, but there was a couple of things. One was I didn't think I knew enough to be able to offer the right type of advice. And also I was looking at the therapy processes and uh, even aspects of coaching. And I was just thinking, I'm not sure this is what I want to offer when it comes to anxiety. There's something that's missing with this. And then it eventually dawned on me. And one of the things that, well, I'll just go back a little, one of the big things that happened that changed everything was, and this is quite dark, but there was a moment when I thought, actually, I don't know if I can continue. My anxiety had got that bad. Uh, my panic attacks were daily. At the time, I was also struggling with my sexuality. You know, I was doing everything I could not to be gay. And it was one of those things where I just couldn't see a hopeful future. And trying to just over-focus on the mind, I took on the challenge of if I just change my mindset, if I just change my thoughts, I will be, it, this will solve my problems. And it just didn't. Mm. And it was in that moment when I thought, Do you know what, I've had enough, when something inside, and it's quite common apparently when a person's in crisis, that this voice from inside, you know, some people might say it's a soul, some people might say it's our intuition, something that comes up. And it literally vibrated through my whole being and said, you're doing this wrong. You're doing it all the wrong way around. Kind of was pausing in that moment, like, what, what is this? And it literally said, you need to focus on the whole of you, not just the mind. Almost like that feeling of all eggs in one basket. Just funny, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was more about the feeling mm -hmm. that I was getting, as well as almost like this voice. So I took the risk then, because I thought, well, was that, is that going to make any difference? Really? And so with the therapy failing, with everything else failing, over-focusing on the mind failing, I thought, okay, right. I went back to looking at what anxiety was, went back to looking at what was happening to the body. And it began to dawn on me that, well, no one asked me about my lifestyle. Mm. No one asked me about, well, or, or showed me how to breathe properly. No mm. one gave me any tools or strategies to manage anxiety and my mindset confidently and that's with that began the journey in the process st studying lots of tools lots of therapies to eventually i began to form a program which i then took that final leap and began to help people with anxiety and as a mindset coach mm -hmm. so i started off as a therapist but yeah, that was a journey to realize, actually, I prefer the coaching process because it's more forward focused mm. and I could use those tools and strategies to really help people let go of what it is that they were holding on to and to change their mindsets, but also by working with the body. A lot of anxiety is trapped in the body. The physical symptoms are in the body. And yet, we're kind of still led down the path that if you just change the way you think, mm. that will solve all your problems and it doesn't no no i mean it, it's it sounds like that realization that intuition that message that came through mm. you however you view that it sounds like that all of a sudden made you more hopeful 
I don't know if that would be a good summary of or optimistic good. about solving the problem. I guess and so, but then you talked about lifestyle and breath and the whole body. And were you studying a, a body of work or something at that time that you think helped with that, or you just I don't, I don't know, like where did that come from? Yeah, because what I didn't realize what you know what it was pointing at was you need to look at this holistically. Mm. So, and I, I didn't know what that word would have meant back then. I, I would never heard of it. So, um, it was around, I'm sure, but. I was basically focusing. The first thing I began to do with with mindfulness is began to learn how to breathe properly, and I searched researched the breath, and then um, I began to come upon. I can't remember what books it was. I think Louise Hayes. You can hear your life, and there are other books which began to focus a bit more on the body. I began drawn into. Well, actually, do you know what? My lifestyle was really quite bad. You know, junk food, alcohol. Um, you know, staying up late. I was doing all the things a teenager would, and still carrying that on into my twenties. And when I began to look after myself better, in other words, I began to you know eat better, um, hydrate more. Um, I was like absolute caffeine fiend. Um, when I reduced my caffeine intake, and I began to sleep a bit better my anxiety died right down. So that was, for me, was a sign that I was on the right path. And yet it's one of these things that isn't talked about still enough when it comes to treating people with anxiety. And and for women especially, if you had anxiety and you went to the doctors, I was talking to someone about this the other day, um, and it's down to the perimenopause, you're literally going to be given, uh, as one client told me, Beta blockers and and of course the CBT. So how how is that helpful when it comes to actually the root cause of what needs to be treated? So we've got to look at anxiety in a more nuanced way. So that's my speciality is anxiety, but also at the same time, there's a whole mindset around it, mm-hmm. changing your mindset, changing your relationship with it, which is also very important. So. Mind, body, heart, and purpose are the you know the four main areas that I focus on when it comes to mindset and it comes to anxiety. Mind, body, heart, and purpose. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to write that. That's very powerful. That's very mm. powerful. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Okay, so we need to. We're shifting from over focusing on the mind. Um, I mm. love the fact that you you talk about being more forward focused because mm. I feel that. That and we'll come to this, I'm sure, about victim mindset. I feel that we spend a lot of time making excuses for the trauma, for, you know, you could have blamed a lot of things on on the bullying and on the other things that you went through as reasons why you will never help other people and be a therapist and be a coach and, and help other people, but you haven't. And I, I think it's worth us all remembering that, that being forward focused is quite valuable. I want to, I, I mean, I could talk to you about your the, more mm-hmm. of this all the time but we will share your your podcast as well in this episode but let's let's talk about imposter syndrome specifically and let's, yeah. let's give so here today our listeners we have we have got Paul's um expert eye on the subject of imposter syndrome and I talk to a lot of you when you know we're on our coaching calls or you know you reach out to me or just r- any conversations I have with entrepreneurs this comes up a lot is going down the rabbit warren of looking at what everybody else is doing. Mm. So we 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 start to, especially when we start to put ourselves 
out there, start to put posts out on social media or put our content out there. We know we should be doing it consistently. We know we understand all the all the strategies and tactics to build our business. You're doing it with your podcast. And mm. people, you know, I know some of you listening have got podcasts or you've got blogs or you've you're just venturing out on social media now, trying to get yourself built up as an expert in your field. But when we go there, many of us We'll take a look at an expert in our niche, somebody, an influencer who seems to be doing really well. They're having the 200 likes. We'll take a look at their content. We'll immediately think, wow, you know, this is really well edited. They're really well scripted. They know exactly what they're on. And you then start going down a rabbit warren of looking at their content, looking at their YouTube channel, their podcast, um, their, their blogs, all their followers and their numbers and all their Instagram account and <laughs> perfect nine block grid. And before you know it, it's just starts to deteriorate and waste away all of that that enthusiasm, that motivation, that confidence that you had about jumping online and sharing what you want to do today or you know being consistent and sharing up or doing something. And we many of us, you know, then then take that personally and that imposter syndrome shows up and holds us back. It makes us play small. Mm-hmm. We decide, well, they're the winner. I can't compete. Why am I even bothering? I'm never going to get to that level. And we start to we start to chip away at our own self-belief, our confidence, which let's face it, we all need a hell of a lot of. So I guess from your perspective, it'd be really interesting to know what what is imposter syndrome? What's going on there, Paul? How can you unpick that situation that we lose days, weeks, and months of progress to? Okay. So I'm a lover of imposter syndrome. So let's not hate it. Okay. So uh, it's a gift. Let's just go into what imposter syndrome is. So it's the inability to recognize internally your achievements, your successes, your your skills, um, anything that's good about you. And you're more likely to put it down to external factors, luck. You know, you happen to be in the right place at the right time. Um, People are not. People don't really see how bad you are for some reason. Also, your, your mind can make up all sorts of stories. So, it's the inability to recognize the in, internal successes, internally your successes. So, how does it come about? Uh, is uh, it happens in a variety of ways with different people. But one thing I, you know, looking at entrepreneurs, ex, you know, access to your audience. You know, entrepreneurs are a breed of their own. You know, if you're listening to this, you have chosen a pathless path. You've chosen to put yourself out there and do something which is not going to be the normal nine to five. So for that to have happened, there's all sorts of things that would have contributed towards that type of mindset. Something set you uh, set you out to be different. You face challenges. You've overcome things. Yet something about you says, I want to do something differently. But that will come with the obstacles which will keep challenging you. And that is imposter syndrome. This is why I love it. Because without it, we often don't get to, if we don't work with a coach, for example, we won't often get to see what we have achieved, what our successes are, what our strengths are. Because we develop this like anxiety amnesia about ourselves. And anxiety in itself, which is part of the imposter syndrome side of things. This is why I love anxiety now. It wasn't in the enemy, even though it didn't really finish me off. Um, it's it's our best friend because it's literally our mind and body and spirit or soul or you know your purpose, whatever, saying to you, 
you've got to change course because what whatever you're doing right now is not sustainable. It really isn't. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, there's a high functioning anxiety side of things. So which ties into imposter syndrome, perfectionism, yeah, constantly on the go, rushing, feeling guilty for slowing down and pausing and resetting and refreshing. So it's quite nuanced. It all ties in together. But if we look at it as, as a whole, it literally is saying to you, if you want to be the best entrepreneur, if you want your business to be elevated to a level of success, then you're going to have to step out of being average, which means you're going to have to experiment with content you're probably not going to be sure is good enough. Yeah, And the reality is, it probably isn't. But with refining and tweaking, like all of our content, it isn't good enough at times. But beautifully, we get challenged. And from that challenge, we begin to grow and refine and change and, and, and we change course. So anxiety is pointing at us to change course. Imposter syndrome, embrace it, change course. Develop your strengths. You know, one thing about anxiety and imposter syndrome, high-functioning anxiety, it says your mind is weak. Not in a bad way. It's like going to the gym for the first time and looking at the weights and thinking, good Lord, look at the size of them. I'm never going to be able to do what they're doing. Yeah. But with a bit of regular training, suddenly you're doing what you thought was impossible. So a weaker mind needs investing in. This is why it's one of the mind, body, heart, and purpose, you know, the holistic point of view. Invest in your mind, strengthen it. This is what imposter syndrome is asking of you. Strengthen your mind. Yeah. So with gratitude, with journaling, with reflection, with coaching, with therapy, with um, meditation, anything that helps you get to know yourself truly. Yeah. So you're moving beyond the ego. You're learning to put your thoughts, you know, as a, as, as a separate thing from you. You're not your mind. You're being able to step back so that you can begin to fully embrace being an entrepreneur. But you're never going to be able to do that with a weaker mind. You'll always be full of self-doubt, guilt, shame. Um, if your self-esteem is tied up into your, you know, your products or your social media, then you're in dangerous territory. But why that's beautiful, because it will always come back to, well, then you need to invest in your mind. Mm. So it'll always come back to that. Hope that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. I mean, wow. Um, I'm just writing, scribbling lots of notes mm. here, guys. So amnesia about ourselves. I think that that's something to call out here. Mm. You know, so you know, what is a question that somebody can ask themselves about themselves, you know, to sort of bring that back to the forefront of the mind, to strengthen the mind? Yeah. So what have I achieved? What have I overcome in life? You know, what are my successes? And this is why journaling is a, like a non-negotiable. I, I know that you, do, I do it because the reality is without those, without measuring your past and how far you've come, you're more likely to jump to where am I not yet? Yes. And you might not even use the word yet. You might even use where, you know, they're very successful. Brilliant. I'm not there. 
which again, that's a wonderful way to kill your self-esteem and to feel low about yourself. If you want to feel miserable, just look at people you think are more successful than yourself. Mm. But by creating a measuring stick of your past to the present day, you get a sense of the, your achievements, your challenges, what you're capable of, what resources have you got. And when you have a crisis like a imposter syndrome, if it feels like it's paralyzing you, good. Brilliant, because this is when you can begin to learn to shine the most. We often shine the, shine the brightest in our darkest moments. Mm. And I believe crisis like this, with anxiety, with any sort of mental health issue, can be one of the best things that happens to us because it wakes us up. And if we get help and support, we can begin to realize our true potential and be on our true paths instead of the ones that we feel have been given to us. Mm. Mm. And this is all about taking this weak mind and making it stronger. Absolutely. And it's a lifetime process. It's never, you know, it's no destination. Because if you decide, it's like going to the gym, if you've worked out hard and you've got, you know, you're really happy with your physique and you're happy with your health, but then you don't go for a while. Mm. Yeah, then you're going to start to feel and see the effects. And it's like that with the mind. It's suddenly those thoughts of doubt begin to creep in a little bit louder. So if you find yourself drinking a bit more alcohol, which we know makes people anxious, um, if you're not looking after your gut microbiome, if you're not connecting with your friends and family, if you become a little bit isolated, then or you're not living your purpose, then all of those aspects are, you know, they're essentials for holding up the pillars of who you are. If they don't get held up, then you'll find yourself feeling not well, insomnia, a bit of tension, anxiety that self-doubt creeps in, more procrastination. And beautifully, again, this is why they're all really important. Those things are reminders to get back on course. If we didn't have the pain of any of those, we would just carry on as we are. As we are. Yeah. So this is why you know the brain, body, spirit, however we want to word it, different people have different uh, terminology, but you know, it will let you know through pain. Mm-hmm. We're not meant to be caged. We're not meant to live in captivity, staring at screens. We can live and fulfill our true potential. And if we try to cage ourselves, your spirit will rattle the bars of that cage with anxiety, stress, and depression, and it will shout out imposter syndrome to you until you listen. Yeah. So it's a good thing, even though we might not like it. Yeah. It's, yeah, I almost feel like it's the discomfort in the cage looking outwardly but it's also the discomfort to step out of it. So it's where you choose your discomfort or you choose your heart. I remember your, your post, your heart. Absolutely. And yeah, so strengthening the mind helps you step out of the prison. You know, when you're doing a, a list back, if you're looking at like, uh, creating a list of your history and you're thinking, God, I've actually come through so much. Look at those things I've overcome. I forgot about that. I passed that exam. I did that driving test. I dealt with that difficult situation with a family member. You begin to build up a stronger sense of self. Otherwise, if you have a run of things which dent your self-esteem, we fall for what's known as learned helplessness, the idea that we're somehow incapable. And then we'll just manifest that in our reality. We'll just give up before we even you know, approach something new because we don't think we can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's, that, and I want to call out that, you know, that, you know, 
the mind thinking, telling you that you, everything was luck that you've achieved so far, mm. or you know somebody had, just hasn't spotted that you don't really know what you're doing yet. That's why you got that promotion, or that's why you had this. And thinking like that it is is part of this learned helplessness, isn't it? It's that yeah. everything's happening to me versus for me to to then control. Yeah, absolutely. I know quite a, a few of our listeners, some of you, you are, you know, this this high functional anxiety that Paul mentioned earlier on. And, and again, we could probably do a whole episode on that. Mm. Perfectionism, um, the fact that we're constantly on the go. I hear from a lot of you that you feel guilty when you're not working, when we're not putting in the hours, the hustle, because, you know, we read that Elon Musk does a hundred hour week. Therefore, in order for me to have a successful business and my family, I therefore must put 120 hours a week in. And we have that mentality. But as Paul is, is alluding to here, every, at some point we have to put things out there that we know is not necessarily good at, good at, good enough. But we have to get better, and we have to start that journey as soon as possible. Uh, no, I I'm really keen to move on to the method that you teach us to oh, yeah. help us to control or, or tame or fall in love with our imposter syndrome or mm. relabel it, reframe it. Um, could you talk us through your ABC method, Paul, um, assuming none of our listeners have ever heard this before, most likely, um, although I have. So what is the ABC method? Yeah. So the ABC method is a way of interrupting your current program. I mean, if you've got imposter syndrome, if you've got high functioning anxiety, any form of anxiety, stress or tension, you're due an upgrade. <laughs> and this is a way of giving ourselves an upgrade. You know, we upgrade our tech more than we upgrade ourselves. Um, so this is a good investment. So I came up with the ABC method uh, for my clients, just something simple for them to follow. Otherwise, no one would do it. And the ABC method looks at the idea of when we're anxious. So if you go into actually use imposter syndrome, when you're feeling that um, inner critic coming in and it's giving you that feeling of self-doubt and it's talking away to you about how fraudulent you are, people are going to catch you out. It's almost like you're looking over your shoulder <laughs> waiting for that moment to happen. So there's an element of tension in the body. Yeah. So what we have a tendency to do is uh, when it appears, is we try and fight it. We try and distract ourselves from it. We don't want it. So all the brain is hearing is this is really important. So we should expand upon it. So what we resist persists. Right. Yeah. So that's what normally happens. I call it wave one is the imposter, imposter syndrome feeling and thoughts. Yeah. Wave two is how we react to it. We don't want it. We've, we've got to get rid of it. Um, we um, indulge in it. Um, we fight it. And then wave three is how we feel, the guilt, the shame of how we responded with wave two and wave one. I shouldn't have it. It shouldn't be happening to me. I'm better than this. Um, look what it's done to me. Um, I've not got that project, project done, et cetera, et cetera. So to interrupt it, Imposter syndrome is going to happen until you begin to strengthen your mind, and it will begin to happen less and less as you do that. Wave two is where you begin to use the ABC system. So when you're beginning to get those thoughts and you begin to get those feelings, first of all, instead of fighting and distracting or indulging, A is for accept. The simple acceptance that it's there. The voices in, in your head, you might be procrastinating, you might feel an element of fear, your gut might be in a knot, heart racing, whatever you're experiencing. 
And it's tough. This is one of the hardest parts to train your mind to do. So acceptance is like surrender, not controlling, really allowing those thoughts and feelings to actually be there, those physical symptoms. And we combine it with B, which is breath, breath work. Just as I said earlier, that was a game changer for me, just learning how to breathe properly. No one showed me. So breathing in through the nose and gently out through the mouth or nose, extending the exhale so that we trigger the parasympathetic nervous system, which tells the brain we are safe. Yeah, so we're working physically within the body. So um, I like to remind myself of breathing slow and low. So it's not like a gigantic big breath, anything like that. It's just gently breathing slow and low down to the diaphragm, which, by the way, when you do that, uh, because of the change in physiology, sends a signal to the heart to slow down too. So you're also stimulating the vagus nerve. That's, that has an important part in how, and mood regulation and calming us down. So there's a lot happens just by beginning to breathe slow and low down to the belly. And then here's the meat on the bones. C, um, I coach a lot of different choices and what is appropriate for people in various different situations. So with imposter syndrome, you know, we know, we now know that even just saying this is imposter syndrome. So a label, mm-hmm. yeah, can reduce um activity in the limbic system the emotional uh, survival part of the brain quite considerably which then gives more access to your prefrontal cortex the brain's wise rational logical part of you which can remember your challenges can remember what you've overcome yeah so when you begin to work with calming down your nervous system so breathing slow and low accepting yeah the choice to just label again layers upon you know, adds another layer to calm down that part of the brain. And also you can even reframe it. So another choice would be reframe. This is just entrepreneurial adrenaline, mm-hmm. adventure adrenaline, performance adrenaline, whatever you want to say. I love the word adrenaline because what we're describing is exactly part of the neurochemistry that's happening within the body. So, and even if you just say, this is just a challenge, I'm facing the challenge of imposter syndrome right now. And it passed and move on. And when we do that, we're changing our experience of it. We're not seeing it as um, totally negative. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it as something that we can manage. And if you see it as an old friend, I love compassion. Oh, here it is. There mm-hmm. it is. Bit of comp- you know, imposter syndrome. I know this is just no program. We're going to move on from this. And thank you for coming. Let me know that I can work on my mind. I can work on my body. I can do all these things. So you're changing your relationship with it and not seeing it as something that's holding you back. So, yeah, does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. Now, I like this method because I don't know about you. So I've heard the, you know, the phrase, feel the fear and do it anyway from Facebook. Mm. But yeah. that almost felt like a, a Nike slogan, just do it, you know, and there's yeah. no there, there's no sort of moment of compassion or acceptance of it. So you're still fighting it, I find. And then there's the Mel Robbins technique for anything, which is five, four, three, two, one, and do it. Mm-hmm. And again, I guess there should be something in that five, four, three, two, one. But what I like about this is that that first step of just accepting it, knowing that it's normal, letting it, it be. But the, but the breath work side of things, I find incredibly valuable in all sorts of parts of life where yeah. you're, you're starting to panic. 
how how long so we do that slow and low breath work how mm. long would you be doing it and, and by the way can i just actually just rewind a second you said it felt like second wave and first wave i actually mm. feel like it's a wave of emotion goes through yeah. it's like it feels like that doesn't it it does it just hits you and then it's like being a rabbit in the headlights. What do I do with this? But the more you practice this technique, the more you rewire your brain to have a new response. You know exactly what to do. I got a message from someone this morning. They have landed in a country which they swore to me not long ago they would never be able to get to. And they did it using the ABC technique. Yeah, travel anxiety. So they were like, no, it wouldn't happen. I'm terrified all the usual story that goes around that. And then it's it's really lovely to see that they'd landed, no problems, no issues, got there completely safe and fine, et cetera. And so it's a very powerful technique because you're changing your, your, you're changing your experience of it. You're working with the nervous system. Yeah, remember what we resist persists. So by accepting it and breathing with it, you're working with calming down the body, and then you're creating a reframe. You know, you're you know you're creating a choice in what. How shall I work with it? <clears throat> and Steve Magnus says in his book, "Do the hard things." This is why I chose. Um, this is why I chose choice. Does that make sense? Um, was when we have a when we feel we have choice, we activate more of the prefrontal cortex. Yeah, where we, when we feel that we have no choice. Yeah, autonomy is taken away from us. Mm -hmm. That feeling of, I don't know what to do. I'm out of control. Yeah, yeah I'm out of control yeah. is a big part to why a person can increase their anxiety mm -hmm. um, and that inner critic can sound a lot louder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so again, choice is really important and there's lots of different choices. So I've mentioned working with it, compassion just then, reframe and labeling. They're really, really powerful. I say they're like the top three easily. Mm -hmm. So... So if I'm accepting and we're breathing slow and low, mm. is it then we should hit it with our choice, with our label? Yeah, in a way, there. In a way, you're kind of. It's not really linear because it can ha all happen all at once. You know, if you're, you find yourself, you know, you might be breathing first because you're accepting at the same time. So, and then your mind might be going, okay, well, actually, this is just a bit of, um, you know, entrepreneurial adrenaline. Mm. So it can happen very, very quickly. But can you continue breathing slow and low, just to let the nervous system know that you're safe. And this, this is one way of beginning to work with the program because it's not done that before. No. No. Yet normally it's going into that fight or flight state, you know, feeling, you know, um, that you're going to get caught out and feeling fraudulent um, and that procrastination state kicking in. So by beginning to interrupt it with, I'm going to accept it, I'm going to breathe into it and I'm going to choose to see it as this. You're creating a new response. And mm -hmm. here's the thing. Now, now, I can't tell you, you know, I can't prove to you this is an amazing technique. I know it is. But the proof comes from you practicing it. Yeah, it's like going to the gym for the first time. No one can prove you're going to get a big bicep and, and look slim and toned from using this equipment. But you'll get the proof as you continue. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see on a regular basis, are people having new responses to old uh, old patterns of behavior and thoughts. Mm -hmm. What feeling are we looking out for when we when we're doing this? We're breathing, we're accepting, we're relabeling it. When should we stop? When should we go? Okay, I'm over it now. What's the feeling that you would say is a sign that you've done it enough? Now let's move on. Well, I, I, I think the, the the original feeling of tension and worry is still there. Then just continue, just gently with it, just sit with it, almost like you're soothing a part of you, allowing it to to continue. It's not something to rush. Mm. Um, 
yeah, the feeling that you're looking for is a more, more of a sense of peace and a sense of calm around whatever situation that you're in where it's been triggered. So I have one other question. This comes up mm. a lot. Should we be avoiding these situations? No. Why? Not unless you want to keep your anxiety and things. I would say it reminds me of, I had this top DJ come to see me and he heard that do not avoid your anxiety. So he decided, and he had a fear of the tube, that he'd go to Russia and ride all around their you know, subway system, trains, to try and beat his anxiety. And it made him worse. Now, what was missing was the tool and strategies to help him manage that situation. So he didn't have to avoid it. So he was just literally going onto a subway, terrorizing himself yeah. in the hope that at some point in time, his brain would normalize traveling. Because mm-hmm. nothing had so, happened. Absolutely. Um, but what was, wasn't happening was he didn't have, he wasn't managing his nervous system. He didn't have any tools or strategies to, uh, to reframe, to change his uh, relationship with anxiety. So therefore it was, it was, it was just, a, it was just a form of mental terrorism, basically. Whereas if you've got tools and strategies, then don't avoid, you know, you can, you can do it slowly to just called rapid desensitization, where you can yeah. begin to take small steps mm-hmm. uh, quite quickly towards whatever it is that you want to uh, do more of so that it becomes a normal response, in other words, a normal uh, activity for you. Mm-hmm. Like lots of people I work with who can't travel or uh, they've got bathroom anxiety. Uh, again, it's the more that they practice the technique, it becomes much easier to eventually just do it without even thinking. And I hear that a lot. People are traveling all, all over the world now, whereas they wouldn't have even traveled where I live outside of Brighton. Wow. So it's, it's become normal through for, yeah. for regular practice. It's fascinating. It really mm. is fascinating. But, Paul, thank you so much for sharing your ABC technique with us. I'm going to end with a quick fire round and then we'll yeah. we'll say how people can contact you. So hang on mm. there, folks. And I have one request for our listener. Please, please share this with someone else you know who might not even tell you they're suffering imposter syndrome because actually 75% of people are surveyed as struggling from it. Please share this episode and Paul's technique with them. I'm sure they will find this a fantastic listen paul right quick fire round your favorite podcast please uh huberman labs with andrew huberman dr andrew huberman has inspired me a lot to really really think about the work that i do yes i love it brilliant and just because i know this one and i really want you to share this your favorite song uh yeah it's unstoppable by sia it's my theme tune. Whenever I go, I do athletics, and it's one of the, it, it, even the crew sing it at me when I'm performing. So yes, uh, yeah, it's a powerful song. Love it. Uh, me and the kids do that one. Yeah. When, when it's like we're not giving up, folks. We are yeah. not giving up. We're unstoppable. I do love that one. Boot. Cool. Uh, thing you couldn't live without, just because this was curious. Yeah, love it. I hate it. I cannot go without Marmite on toast. Right. <laughs> I'm in the love it camp, but I also know 50% of my household or not. <laughs> yes, yeah, same here, same here. I'm the only one that loves it. The book on your bedstand right now is Clarity and Connection by Young Pueblo. And because it's it's one of these books which you could just pick up and go, oh my God, that's amazing. Such an amazing bit of inspiration on each page. Yeah, highly recommended. And three words that would help to describe fulfillment to you. Be truly present. Oh, powerful. Be truly present. Feel like yeah, that was kind of, Yeah, because you don't, you don't need to feel 
when you're truly present, there's no need to chase any type of feeling. It's just as it is right now. So, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Paul, if our listeners would like to find out more about mindset change and the work that you do, how can they get in touch? You can do that via mindsetchangeuk.com. And there are, there's a free uh, 10 core ways uh, to heal anxiety, which I have to say, Sue Parker has helped develop my whole website and business. So, you know, I just want to give you to say thank you, Sue, for everything that you've done for me as well, because as a great coach, but to develop the other stuff that needs for, for business to function, I ain't got a clue. So uh, mindsetchange.com, come and see what Hasu's helped me with. And also you can uh, connect with me at uh, my Instagram at mindsetchangeuk.com. Uh, yeah, mindsetchangeuk. Fantastic. I'll definitely put these links in the show notes. So don't worry if you didn't catch those now. Paul, thank you so much for spending time with our listener. Thank you so much. And don't forget to share this episode. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Congratulations for showing up and being one of the 8% that actually turn their dreams into reality. I appreciate you for listening and I am committed to helping you improve the quality of your life. For more resources, make sure you check out the show notes underneath. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave me a five-star review. And remember, you are incredible. And if you dream it, you can achieve it. Mm -hmm.